So we're going to jump into this uh, this afternoon. I mean, it's the last set of breakouts and then main session and then your tired selves can drive back home and, you know, hopefully grab some dinner. My name is Lance Perupski. This is my beautiful wife, Angel Perupski. Uh, we have been married almost 19 years. Um, we, we got married at the age of six and I was nine. So that's kind of, no, I'm just kidding. Um, we have three beautiful daughters. Uh, Gabrielle is our oldest. Uh, she's 14. Then Kirsten, our middle daughter, is going to be 13 in a month. And then we have uh, our little munchkin, Olivia, who will be 10 next month. So she is in double digits, and she tells us that's more important than 13. So that's how we're going to roll with it. So she wants something bigger because she's going to be a teenager, and that's very important to her. Um, but we have been doing full-time ministry together. Uh, for over 15 years of that, being paid. Uh, before we were paid in youth ministry, uh, we were both volunteer leaders in the student ministry realm. Uh, I was working a full-time job as a warehouse manager for a plumbing supply house. And then before that, I was a working supervisor for the largest do-it-yourself plumbing uh, supply house in the world. And so real busy. Um, we were at the church, it seemed like, four or five nights a week, volunteering, doing this, going to prayer, being in youth, and wanting to be in discipleship and worship team and, and doing all those kind of things. Uh, we are not experts. Um, we have made our fair share of mistakes that we have learned from because I believe that there are, there's, if you at the end of the day you can ask yourself, what, is, what can I learn from this? There is something to be learned. You know, so we don't repeat that process or even then learn from other people. Uh, we've only been in Ohio, a part of the Ohio Ministry Network. So I have survived, what is this? Four, this is my fourth DYD, my third uh, network superintendent. I'm like, I've been here forever. I can't get rid of me. Uh, but it's been great because I've been able to, to be with a great group of men and women who I've been with and been developed with and been able to learn from them as well. So it's a privilege to be able to stand up here and just to be able to share very practically um, about how to wear intimate apparel. That's the class we're talking in today, how to wear intimate apparel. That's not what we're talking about. I believe the class is about an intimate ally. So when I said intimate apparel, you, you thought one of two things. This is going to be the best breakout ever, or I'm in the wrong class. One of those two thoughts went through your mind. But we're going to be talking about, you know, how are, we, how are we together? I mean, what does this look like when you do ministry together? Because ultimately, if one of you is called, you're both called. Because you're in this together. If you're married, you have an ally, someone who is there to support you, to bring unity. And how are we going to get this together? Because it's not alone. Actually, we were never meant to do life alone, were we? From the beginning of creation, I'm going to give from Adam, I'm going to create a helpmate, a suitable helpmate. Helpmate meaning equal playing field. Not greater or less than, but equivalent. And so we are meant to be each other's suitable helpmate, to bring out, I like to say, to bring out the best in each other. So in our relationship, there are things that I do really well. There are some things that I do terrible at. And so the other day, it was time to do writings, you know, church annual business reports, lead pastor, you got to pull all this stuff out, right? And so the joke is, man, that was a great letter. Your wife sure doesn't know, understand which, how to write what you're thinking. And I'm like, absolutely. I am not the writer. She is the writer. And so I'm like, honey, this is what I was thinking about. I wanted to say da-da-da and give her all these points. Next thing you know, I'm like, I sound brilliant. She compliments me. She adds value. And there's that togetherness. And so that's how we can be the intimate ally. Has anybody ever fought with their spouse? Girlfriend? Boyfriend? You ever fought? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't call them fights. We call them intense fellowships. But we there are always going to be those moments of, of disagreement. But ultimately, we are better together. The Scripture, um, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 17, it says, iron sharpens iron, and so one person sharpens another. Right? And we're like, oh yeah, that's so good. We should, we should sharpen. Can't that happen in the context of our marriage? That we would sharpen one another? And here's the thing. I said this a few weeks ago. Listen, if you're going to sharpen one another, the purpose of you sharpening one another is not so you can stab the other person. Right? It is not our objective. Look, oh, iron sharpen iron. I can't wait to stab that person in their back. Now they've sharpened me. No. It's to build up and to edify and to encourage one another. Hebrews 10.25. We love saying this in church. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. What, what, is, what are we saying? The context of even what happens in the church realm is about doing it together. Doing life together. And then Ecclesiastes 4.9-12. Two are better than... One. So two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If, e- if either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, and this is a tough verse, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. But pity. Man, in my relationship with my spouse, my intimate ally, I know that at any moment, she's there to pick me up. At any moment, there's, there's a fall on her side. She knows that I'm coming to the rescue. That I will be there to pick her up, especially in the church realm. I, I know that every Assembly of God church in the network in the state of Ohio is perfect. There are no flaws. There's no mean people. Everybody who walks into the doors of that church or serves, they're just like the, the model citizen of the best follower of Christ ever. They never mean to anyone. They love. They've never said anything condemning. They've never talked behind anyone behind their back, right? <laughs> That's a fairy. Fantasy world or yeah. And that's a fairy tale, right? And so what do you do when, in the context of a hallway conversation where someone's like, man, I don't, that message the pastor is talking about, I totally disagree with him. And then word gets back to your spouse. How are you intimate allies? How are you building up and encouraging, you know, each other? And, and that's what we really are here to talk about is how do we bring out the best in each other? How do we support one another? And the first thing is this. You've got to remember that your relationship with your spouse, above all, you have your relationship with God, right? Then it's your relationship with your spouse, not the church. The church is not the second most important relationship you will enter into. It is the relationship, the covenant that you made, the vows that you made were not to the church and then, well, honey, you're going to be second. I mean, i got God and He's got to be first. We're good with that, right? But the church, they really need me. And so, next week, we'll talk. We'll have conversation. The order has to be right. The order has to be right. It has to be that relationship with Christ. Are you, are you growing and thriving in that? And then secondly, what are you doing to, to invest in the life of your spouse or the one that you're serving with if you're not married? And so, here are some questions to ask yourself. First, do I invest as much time into the local ministry as I do with my spouse? Do I invest as much time in my local ministry as I do with my spouse? So if the ratio is, man, I'm serving, I'm in Royal Ranger, I'm in girls ministry, I teach you know, the, the kids on Sunday morning, or, or I'm involved in this, and I, I'm vested probably eight hours a week, and my spouse and I, we talk about two hours a week. Do you see the problem that we're going to have? 
Because what we've just communicated is what's more valuable. And you're like, well, what if you're paid? Does that change? Should it? I mean, sure, we need to work our 40 hours a week, invest it if you're serving a full-time ministry at the church, but what are you giving? My feeling is that I never want to come home, and I'm, and I'm guilty of it. That's why this is, for me sharing this, I'm guilty of it. All right? I don't want to come home and give leftovers to my spouse or to my kids. There are things that I have strategically done in order to, to make sure that doesn't happen. There are times when I'm up until like 2 in the morning working on stuff. Why? Because I started at 11 o'clock at night. Why? Because I want to make sure she had time and my kids had time. My kids have gone to bed, and now it's time to wind down. She's going to fall asleep. Let me get a few hours of work in because I'm not going to take Rob from to do the right thing. You know, doing the, giving up or not spending time with the right thing so you can do the right thing doesn't make it right, does it? You know, it's not going to make it right. And so how do we do that right thing? So how much time are we investing in? And the reason that I say, say it that way, are we investing in ministry? Um, I am a planner. Any planners, you've got to know the details. And you, you know, so notes, I got notes, I use Wonderlist. it's, you know, I can, this is who I am, this is how I roll, I need to know all the details, and, and that's great. So I'm a details guy. There was a moment in our life, and at the, at the time, I thought it was kind of a rude statement. Uh, it's what we do, ladies. Right, it, it, kind of, it kind of upset me, and it was this, you do, and it came from my wife, and, and Angel said, listen, you do such a great job planning for everything in the church. When's the last time you planned for me like that? You know, you know, I was like, that's stupid. I, you know, and I plan for you all the time, and then you know, and you want to, and what's the, and here's the thing: if you're going to go defend yourself and start justifying it, you're probably wrong. And I was, so I took a step back, and I was like, oh, you were right. And so what I do? I went to the calendar. Date night with my smoking hot wife. You know what I mean? I'm going to plan it in there. I'm going to put it in there. And so I made all that happen. I found babysitter. Why? Because I needed to rewind and say, which is the second question, do I make my marriage a priority? Do I make my marriage a priority? Because that's what I had to then communicate to her. Not by something you say. I mean, everybody say, honey, yes, you are, you are my priority. My treasure. I, but I don't do it. I don't show it. And I'm just spewing. And so I need to be willing to show it. So is my, is my marriage a priority? And how can we show that? How do we practically then say, man, th- here's, here's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so today we want to just, man, how do we serve with one another? How do we, how do we be one? Okay? How do we, if we're one, how do we serve as one? How do we give as one? And so today we're just going to give you some steps. I think the first one is setting boundaries. And while none of us like to be told no, it's just not a word that we were ever created to enjoy, right? Um, It can be a really good word. No can be one of the healthiest things that you can say, especially to other people outside of your marriage. And that is coming from somebody who I love ministry. I work at the network office. I work as a co-pastor in our local church. My heart is in it. Um, But there are times when no has to be the most important word of the day because ultimately that enables us to do the things that, number one, we're called to do, whether it's in our secular workplace or in in our church ministry world. We are called, first and foremost, as a spouse, like he was saying, 
to prioritize them, to love them, to be there for them, to honor them. Um, as a mom, that's my priority. So, you know, I'm just going to be really transparent with you right now. When they were doing interviews for the role at um, the office for the girls' ministry director, you know, I, I said this with Pastor John and I said it with Gary, and I'm on a phone interview, and this is exactly how this is going down. I'm in the middle of an airport, we're traveling, and I'm talking to Pastor John, and then I'm talking to Gary, and I'm saying these words. I just want to let you know that at the end of the day, if my child is sick, I'm not coming to that event. I have a chronically ill daughter who there is not a cure for her disease, and a slow week for us is minimally four doctor's appointments, up to 10 or 11. Okay, so this is my normal life outside of ministry. And I'm like, this is where I value. My family's going to come first. You need to know what you're going to get with me. And he does this. You know how Why don't you just tell them, no, I don't want the job. <laughs> when you're on the phone with somebody and your spouse is in the room and they're like trying to give you insight, you know, and I'm like bombing this interview because I'm trying to be as transparent. There are going to be times, no, Pastor John, as much as I love you, as much as I wholeheartedly support the Ohio Ministry Network, I am a wife and I am a mom first and I will unapologetically stand by that. So please know. And for relief in the room, Anybody who is honorable, anybody who values you will instantly respect you more. Because the next words out of Pastor John and Gary's mouth unscripted were, and that's why we want you. And the people in your church and the people in your ministry should want you healthy and they should want you at your number one. And by us saying no, doesn't just allow us time for the most important ministry that we can have, but it also helps develop other leaders who are capable there are people capable to do what somebody is asking of you. There is somebody else who can go to the hospital visitation that time. There is somebody else who would be a great, a great teacher in that program that maybe they just need a little bit of discipleship or mentoring. And so, again, saying no helps you, but it also helps build up other people to take the place of those things that maybe you're not called to do and they just don't know it's them yet. You know, inside of that, saying no is being able to set healthy boundaries for the time that you do want to spend sure. with your wife or your spouse. You know, so what does that look like? Um, you know, in the, in the ministry realm or, or even full-time, you know, what day do you get off? Well, the day you get off, these, I mean, these inventions right here are amazing, right? The, th- the technology, the things that you can do are, are wonderful. But plan to take this and turn it off. It is really important I mean, I remember life before cell phones and you still got a hold of people, right? I remember you, could, you could still do that. Learn to turn it off. Learn to set a boundary that says, man, listen, what day of this week are we going to spend time together? Put it on the calendar. People laugh at us. Like her mom will call her up and be like, hey, so I know you're busy. Yep. And what, mom, here's what you need to know. We are busy and I want to spend time with you. But everybody else wants to spend time with us too. So you give me a day. Let's put it on the calendar. She's like, well, I don't, that doesn't seem organic. That doesn't seem like, like love. No, listen, that's how you know it is. Because if I didn't have time for it, I wouldn't put it on the calendar. So you are so, I want you to know I want to spend time with you. Put it on the calendar. That way, it doesn't matter what comes up. No, I got lunch with my mom. If that's a priority. So when it comes to your spouse, you know what? On Mondays, because that's my day off. On Mondays, I'm not taking a phone call. Well, what if someone from the church needs you? If it's that much of an emergency, 
someone will get a hold of me. We had someone die in the middle of the night at our church, 60-year-old, healthy as could be. My phone was, was in my coat pocket hanging in the closet on vibrate. One o'clock in the morning, I'm not answering. They got a hold of a board member. Board member, 1.30 in the morning, knocking on my door. And I was like, what? what? Like, <laughs> who's here? Is it the police? What's wrong? He's like, listen, um, so-and-so passed away. They're at the hospital. What I do? I got dressed and I went. If it's that, someone will get a hold of you somehow, some way. So be willing to set that time aside. Be intentional about it. Plan a getaway weekend. That's okay. And there are moments in our, in our lives where we know they're real busy. I mean, if you're in the ministry, you know that Christmas, Easter, just, you don't see each other. You're not even sure why you, you know. They get real busy. So what it, the other day, we were sitting in a staff meeting. I said, listen, we're doing our annual business meeting. We've been crazy busy. We're doing a giant water baptism, baby dedication, new membership Sunday, and then we're turning into Easter. I said, oh, we're going to like 70-hour week. This is crazy. So what we're going to do. That Sunday after Easter is over, so what I want you to do. Sunday night, Monday, and we're going to take Tuesday off. Do not, and I threatened my associate, I said, do not grab your computer for any reason. So you have Sunday night, all day Monday, and Tuesday. Do not think about work. That's what we will have done for the last 30 days straight. Take two of them and do nothing. Nothing. Why? We're being intentional. Planning. Being very intentional. And you have to be willing to do that with your spouse. To plan those weekends. To plan those retreats. To to plan to spend time together. That doesn't... Well, shouldn't it just naturally happen? There are those moments where it does, and that's great. But when you get real busy in life, if you don't plan not to do it, you know what I'm saying? It's going to happen. So you have to plan to do it. You've got to be willing to plan. Man, listen, I'm dating night with my wife. Here we go. When's it happening? Friday. Oh, we've got a big meeting coming up on Saturday. Doesn't matter. I'm spending time with my wife on Friday. She's got to be the priority. And so we have to have that. We've got to be willing to set those kind of boundaries. And then also constantly work on communication. And everybody would know communication is key. A lack of communication is the number one cause for divorce. You hear all these cliches. But there is nothing truer than constantly working on your communication that needs to be said. Because there are times that, that the way that we're communicating works perfectly for a season. And then something happens or, you know something in life changes or there's a loss of a loved one or there's a new job where it's a stressful season and the way you normally gel so well in communication is now frustrating. And so there are times when you have to just be completely blunt. And I will say, I'm on my way home. We had a really stressful day. We were just at the doctor's and this happened and that happened. I just want to let you know that I need to come in and I'm going to need about 10 minutes alone in the room. Like for me, I'm an introverted personality. As much as I can turn it on and go and be outgoing, I need time to just think and be alone with my thoughts. But had I walked into the house where he was with the other two kids and life was crazy and I shut down, what is that telling him? You're not important to me. I don't want to talk to you. I've got other things. Just a simple communication where normally... I've been meaning to talk to you about that too. Angel's going to walk into the room and there's nothing I want more as a mommy to wrap my arms around my kids. It's my natural go-to. But in that moment, communication was going to be different and it needed to be different and I needed to get away so that my kids didn't see me have a meltdown, which is what I felt like doing in that moment. So just those ways of just keeping things above water. I had a really rough day at work. I'm not feeling so hot. Can we just take it easy tonight? You know, I know we had this going on. Over-communicate. And that sounds silly, 
but our spouse doesn't know what's going on in our heart and our head. They know us, they probably could finish our sentences for us, they, they get our DNA, but there are times when you really just need to be direct. Hey, I'm having a bad day, or I am not interested in talking about this. When I come home from an event that I have been working on, and Lance will be the same way, um, because anybody like at plan events or you do big things, okay, you come home from it and you're exhausted, right? Like the last thing you want to do is dissect it. And so I remember coming home from a, an event that I had never ran, it's Powett, totally out of my wheelhouse, I'm not a camper, I mean this is like completely anti what Angel would normally do. We, he had never been to it, I didn't know what to expect, so I come home and it is three days and I'm like this. And he's asking me questions. So what about this? Well, then how did they do? And then what, how did that event go? And then what did you, and I was like, I just cannot talk to you right now. <laughs> and he's wanting to talk. And how great that my husband so much cares and is invested in what I'm doing. It was a good thing. He was doing nothing wrong. If anything, it makes me honor and love and respect him that he cares so much about what I'm doing and, and part of my ministry and, and valuing that. But there are times, and I just had to say, I am so tired. And I remember saying, I thank you so much for caring. Can I please talk to you about this tomorrow? Can we just watch TV? Like, and that's just what I needed. And that's okay. So just communicate it. And remember to just be, be blunt. Be blunt with love. Which is, so real quick, under communication, for constantly working on we just want to give you five steps. And she kind of covered the first one, identify. So when it comes to... Speaking and clearly communicating, identify, express those desires, those those opinions, rather than hinting. Um, most men do not have the gift. We have the gift of ESPN, not the gift of ESP. We we do not get subtle hints. Right? We actually, we're, most of us are terrible at subtle hints. We need direct. Give me a direct plan of action, and I can implement that. But the beating around the bush of what you really want, I don't get. I, what do you? I thought you meant this. That's my statement. I thought this is what that meant. No, that's... Oh, now I get that. Why didn't you just say that? You know, but it's on both sides. Just clearly communicate. Identifying very specifically rather than general statements. Be be specific. Yeah, and another way is express your desires positively rather than negatively. So communicate what you like versus what you don't like. So we can say, I don't like when you... It's super easy to do, but that doesn't really help the other person. What helps is genuinely giving them what you do like. I really like when you. I feel so valued when you. I love the way you. When you do this, it makes me feel secure. When you do this, it makes me feel like you desire me still. When you do, and giving them the proper things to help them do the right thing, as opposed to scold them for doing the wrong thing. We're really good at doing this with our toddlers and teaching them when we're potty training, but we forget that our marriage is continually growing and learning and shaping into different things in every season and every different circumstance that we walk through. And so continually saying, I like when you, when you did this, it made me feel so. Um, and it, it really transforms that communication into like, healthy and positive. Well, sharing it positively, there's a, there, is a, there is a question that has divided marriages, I think, from the beginning of time. And it still does, and somehow it creates some of the biggest hassles and struggles, and it's this. What would you like to eat? Right? It's the most divisive question we ask. Like, where do you want to eat today after church? I don't know. What are you in the mood for? I don't know. I just want to eat something. <laughs> You're all laughing because you know you've, you've been, been there, right? 
But you say, well, I don't like, I don't like, we just had this. Or, so what we've been able to do, here are two things, two places that I'm going to move for that really sound good to me right now. So I've narrowed it down, I've been specific, but I've expressed what I like, not what I don't like. So something to work on. And then focus. Um, Learn to make more I statements than you statements. Because you begins to become a blame. You don't. And try never to say never or always. Because you never or you always. You never do the dishes. Never? I've never once. Not in, For the last 20 years you've known me, I've never done the dishes. No, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said. Right? So, but try not to say, try to make I. This is, I'm expressing again, very, being specific. Instead of you don't or you, I. This is something that I'm looking for. Down in your communication, and by down, that's not just volume. I think we probably, as adults, would all say, "Yeah, don't yell." Like nobody wants to be screamed at, but sometimes we also need to keep it down in the in the way that we're uh, the speed. So we get upset, you know, and you just want to like shoot it out. I'm just gonna tell you everything all at once. Um, Take a step back, take some breaths, realize what's coming out of your mouth before it comes out, because the volume. It's just as critical as the actual words that are spoken. Because you can say something not so mean and yell it, and it sounds horrible. And when you're just spewing words and they're coming out faster than you have control over, you are most of the time going to regret what's coming out of your mouth. You know, just taking a step back and slowing down and thinking about it. And is this important? You know, something that we have, we have held on to is we all get, you know, in our little stats out on important things, right? But our, our question that we really try to go to is, will this matter in 20 years? Will this matter in 20 years? 99.99% of the time, this argument is irrelevant and doesn't matter. Is this a character issue? Is this going to have the possibility to harm our family and harm somebody else? Does this really matter? And so taking a step back, thinking about that, thinking about the volume in which we speak and the, uh, the speed at which words are coming out of our mouth, is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know, and then, and then lastly, number five is body language. I mean, most of our communication is nonverbal. You know, the way that we're... <laughs> Right? What am I saying? I didn't say anything, but what am I saying? Yeah, whatever. Like, what you're saying is really not important in this moment, but I'm here. But I'm not saying it, but I'm saying it because the way way my body language is. You know, am I willing? Because we've talked about ways to communicate, but the greatest tool in our communication uh, belt, our tool belt, is actually listening. You know? Slow to speak, quick to listen. You know, is is our listening? Are we in tune? Are we paying attention? Are we are we there? Are we distracted? You know what I mean? Whoa, your phone just vibrated. That was weird. You know, but are we are we there? You know, or when my wife comes home, she really has something to tell me, but I'm on my email. Yeah, honey, I got you. Now, some I do have a gift, and she knows it. So again, that was communication. I'm a multitasker. I used to do homework, watch TV, and keep stats for the Cavs game all at the same time. And she's like, Dude, look, squirrel. You know, like, it's, it's not a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to her. So even though I can multitask, the priority is her. So don't multitask. All in.
and listen. It's a selfless. Sure. And then when listening, hear the concerns of what you need and the concerns of the other people. Truly listen and hear the concerns. Sometimes they're valid and sometimes they're not. But if they're valid enough for your spouse to come to you and talk about, even if they're wrong, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you're like, yeah, you totally misinterpreted that and I have no idea where you pulled that out of, it mattered enough for it to be a conversation, so hear it. And sometimes, and I I use this as an example, Lance is task-oriented. He is the kindest, most take the shirt off your back for anybody you'll ever meet. However, when he is in work mode, he is in work mode. All right? So there was a season where in church on Sunday morning, you know, he's walking. He's getting where he's going, and he's got a task. And this little old woman was like, he is so stuck up, and he never speaks. And, like, she was so offended by him. I choked her, but that was... And so the first thing as a wife, hearing that, I'm like, do you know who you're talking? That is the furthest thing from this man, right? And that could have been my reaction. But taking a moment and observing, in her mind, she doesn't know his heart. She doesn't know what he's been doing. She doesn't know that he was on a mission and tasked and working and serving with somebody else. And so even though she was wrong, listen for the truth in that, right? Lance, you need to take some time and look at people as you're passing them. You don't have to stop, but just, how you doing in passing? Just tapping somebody on the arm and continuing to go. It's the same way in our marriage. They might be wrong. They might be misinterpreting what's happening, but hear it. Because there might be some small little ways that you can just, I can see where that comes from. It's not my heart. It's not who I am. But I can see how I can give that appearance. And so just working on that and hearing. hearing. So in listening, you hear, but you also need to respond. Respond in a way that that shows them that you took that conversation seriously. You know, I have a a way of, my sense of humor, just joking around, being silly, usually gets inserted in moments that needed to be serious. Um, And so I'm learning and have learned over time, like, hey, this is, I hear, look right in their eyes, I hear what you're saying. When you said this, I know what that means to you and how that made you feel. I just want you to know I'm, I heard you. Repeat it back to them. Because what you're saying is, man, I was so engaged that I can tell you what you said. Yeah. There's nothing worse. It happened the other day. She was saying something and she goes, what did I just say? And I went, well, what you said three minutes ago when I was paying attention was this. However, what you said just a minute ago... I was so mad. I was like, man, I don't know what you just said. Forget what you were saying. And he we were at the store and he interrupted me to like look at something on the shelf. There was a thirty-two dollar coffee mug. I didn't know they made such a thing. It was mind blowing that someone would spend thirty-two dollars on a mug to keep your coffee warm for six hours. Drink it and throw the foam cup away. I didn't get it, so I got distracted. It was mind boggling. But then she was like, "What did I say?" I was like, "Oh." So. That didn't go over so well because I didn't, you know what I mean? I, I didn't pay attention. So respond. And then build a single conversation together. You know, when, you're, when you are talking and listening and communicating, build off of that. I hear what you're saying. How, how, are, how can I work on that? What are some practical things? Let your spouse speak into your life. And I think so often we're defensive because we have to be with the world and maybe it's just our own stuff because of how we grew up. But at the end of the day, when you say I do and you commit, we are saying invest in me and I'm going to invest in you. 
And so we need to be willing to work toward that conversation together. Not just this is how I upset you or this is what I want to do, but now let's work on this next step together. How can we make this work together? Because we could get up here and give a list of 30 things you could work on, but what works in our home isn't always going to work in yours. You're two different people with very different DNA. You've got your own history, but you know how to bring that together. We all know what we need. We know what makes us feel loved and safe and secure. Allow your spouse to speak that into you and not just hear it, but then respond with that. And how can I fulfill that? In what practical ways can I? Let them have an opportunity at succeeding. So when it comes to doing life together, serving, being the ally with your spouse, it's, man, it's setting boundaries, it's constantly communicating, and then it is sexual intimacy. The ministry is busy. It is crazy. It is emotionally, spiritually, and physically challenging. There, there aren't too many specific things that the, that the Scripture walks through but there, when it comes to marriage, but there is one in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3-5. through 5. Once married, our bodies do not belong to us, but to our spouse as well. You have to make time. <laughs> That's, I mean, the calendar thing, okay. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not, but you, you find... You know. <laughs> hey, on July 16th, no. But you know, <laughs> in this... 30-minute window. Um, but don't, for, again, don't forsake. We don't belong. There, there are needs. Your spouse has needs. He has to be willing to fulfill those needs. And so sexual intimacy is one of that. Don't neglect, man, I'm just, if, if every night you're too tired, then we have a problem. We have a problem. Okay, if we're too busy and giving, giving, giving to everyone else, and then, if, and then it comes time, like, no, it's bedtime. Maybe tomorrow. Huh. It's bedtime, maybe tomorrow. Then let's slow down with everything else that's consuming us. So this doesn't be this this area of our life and our marriage and with our spouse isn't neglected. And flirt with each other. I mean, you're married. Flirt with each other. You did that when you weren't supposed to. Do it now. You know. (laughs) Tell your spouse, "Wow, you look cute." I mean, just simple little things. Just remember to engage with one another. Pursue each other like you did when you were dating. Wives, pursue your husband. Let him know that he is everything you ever dreamed of. Husbands, pursue your wife. Make her feel beautiful and smart and capable. That is going to be your shoe in. We were uh, working at... uh, concession stand for our local football program just serving our church does it every every fall and like i was outside and i had a text them you're so cute and you make hot dogs you know like it's stupid right but to him those plastic him, gloves they I just know. you know what i mean they were so cute and make hot dogs and you got rid of thing on your head and it's silly but it's instantly letting yourself like i pursue you and we're gonna have fun together and we're gonna enjoy marriage together and it's not just about what happens in the bedroom and that sexual intimacy is so important but that is always better when you have the relationship all day long because it brings it just is the the whipped cream on top so and you take that for what it's worth no pun intended anyway love languages i'm glad you got the mic and not me right did you wait did you hear what that she just said i know right know each other's love language have you has everybody read uh gary chapman's the five love languages okay excellent book if you haven't read it it's amazing love it love it love it and so basically just to speed through it for the people who haven't read it um 
there are five ways, generalized ways, that people give and receive love. So one of them is through acts of service. You know, Lance, this is his love language. He's going to work for you. I will come home. I've hit the jackpot, ladies. He does the dishes and the laundry. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, we, we are in this thing together, and that's how he shows his love. All right, so acts of service, physical touch, uh, and that's not just sex, but that's included. You know, a tap on the back, a hug, a kiss, just, you know, you'll know the touchy-feely people, this is me, because if I see you, I'm going to be, hey, how you doing? And I'm naturally just going to reach for you, not in a sexual way, it's just, how you doing? That's me, that's how I am a connect with you. I'm a, I'm a hugger that is like, oh, you're my friend and I love you, that's who I am. Um, and I'm the complete opposite. Right. Yes, and I am also not an acts of service person. It's probably the least on my list while I appreciate it. It doesn't make me feel loved. Um, gift giving, words of affirmation, and quality time. So if we are only giving and receiving love in the way that works for us, we are completely disregarding how they need to feel loved. And it sounds silly. And for me, loving Lance and his love language takes work for me. It takes a lot of work because he's an acts of service. And I'm like, I got two jobs. I've got three kids. I've got, you know, like I've got a lot on my plate. And I'm like, but I just want to like sit and snuggle, you know, like for me, let's just, we'll know we're loved because we can sit. And he's like, man, let me come home to a clean house. You know, that would make him, that would make his day or silly things like in the office. And, and again, this means nothing to me. But I will see jobs that need to be done, and obviously I, I work for him. Um, I will see jobs that need to be done, and I'll just do it. I know that he, that's going to torment him if that doesn't get done. So I'm, I'm going to go organize this. And while it like has no ounce of love in my heart, and it's a job for me, it makes him feel like she cares, and she is thinking about me, and she is invested in making my life and my ministry feel validated. Um, and it, it would be the same as true. You know, for him, he's not a touchy-feely person. So when we're walking through the store, he has to think, I should hold my wife's hand. It's not going to come natural for him. But to me, when we're walking and he grabs my hand, I'm like, yeah, buddy. You know, like it, it does something for me. And so just being mindful of that and loving him in the way that, that best represents how they need to feel loved. And love is either selfish or selfless. It's going to come across as an action one way or the other. Selfish or selfless. See, the five love languages, is a, it should be a selfless. Where, again, we're complete opposites. You know, so the things that we, too much detail to get into. But she grew up in a home where, you know, you did the whole hug and kiss before you left the house. And love you, miss you, you know, can't wait to see you later on. In my house, you walk the door and you never, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, for one. And so you just walk the door and you left. There was no goodbye. You never even... You didn't look at the other person when you were leaving the house. And so when I started dating her, she's doing all this. And well, then next thing you know, we're married. They expect me now to come and hug every person in the family and give them a kiss. It's like 20 minutes of and the I'm thing, like, okay? yeah, it takes 20 minutes to get out the door. And I'm like, don't touch me. <laughs> Please, I don't, want, oh, I don't want to hug you. All right, it's kind of the joke at church now because people, you know, they're like, you're not a hugger. I'm like, you're Satan. No, I'm just kidding. But, I don't do that. but, but it's one of those things where, self, but if you're selfish... I don't care what your love language is. This is mine. But if you're selfless, you're saying, I get that love language. That's right. Massage my back. You know, I get that love language. <laughs> to me, I'm like, you can rub my back all day you want. I don't... You really just don't touch me. Right. 
So be selfish and not selfish. And then number, number five, and we'll finish up with this. So love language into everyday acts of caring. Everyday acts of caring. You ever notice when you're really stressed and you're really frustrated, the last thing you want to do is something nice for somebody else? You want them to do it to you first. But someone's always got to be first, right? And so we have to be willing to do those everyday acts of caring. Small, frequent acts um, that just build into the relationship to, of, of our spouse. Saying that you have so much value that on a daily basis, I'm going to do this. And I'll give you an easy way to make this happen. Grab 15 post-it notes. Write down 15 things that your spouse could do that would show that you care for them. Like, make me tea. Make them tea. You know, take me on a Mediterranean cruise yearly. You write it down. No, I'm just kidding. That, that does not count. That, is not, that, is, that's not, that does not count. All right? But make me tea. So if, you're, if, you're, if your spouse is a coffee drinker, a tea, a, a tea drinker, then that's something that you care. So I can tell you exactly what coffee my wife likes and how the sugar and cream and it's more like sugar and cream than coffee and, and stir and I can go to Dunkin' Donuts and get her a, blue, a medium blueberry coffee with six creams, three sugars and a stir straw because they don't stir Dunkin' Donuts for whatever reason. Yeah. And, so you, and it's the perfect drink. And I know that. So if I show up out of the blue with a Dunkin' Donuts blueberry coffee with six creams and three sugars, I'm just saying I care. It's $1.80. It's not the end of the world. And, it, and it's not far to get to. But it's caring. So do those things. Write down 15 things. And then on a daily, what you're, then what you're able to see, put them in a place where no one sees it, maybe in the closet or something. And then so every day you can walk in and grab two or three of them and go, today I'm going to do these three. I'm going to do these three simple acts of caring for my spouse. Do them. When they're done, go put the post-it notes back up. And then tomorrow you walk into your closet and you grab another three or another two. Or maybe it's a busy day. Or maybe it's a big act and you're like, yeah, this one's going to take a little bit more time. So maybe it's just one that day. But what you're doing is you're intentionally and purposefully loving your spouse and caring on a daily basis. On a daily basis. And that is so life-giving. Because our actions... Actions have to speak louder than our words. They have to. It's easy to say I love you because we love everything, right? I love Chipotle. I have a, an addiction. I go to counseling for it. It's fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm working through it. <laughs> right. So how do you know? Well, because I go there and eat. How does my life, my wife know I love her? I gotta show it. It can't just be something I say. And and ministry gets crazy. It is challenging. There are demands of time. There are crazy demands. Right? There are things that you go through and you're like, I did not see that coming. I didn't know that's something we would have to deal with. And, and isn't this an easy solution? Why is this such a big deal? And it's nonstop or you have a full-time job and your, your, your spouse is in ministry and you're like, well, yeah, this, you know what? I'm going to see you four days from now <laughs> when there's not an event. You know, and we're going to connect. We'll talk then. You know, but how do we manage through this thing? And with marriages ending the way they are, with 60% of marriages ending in divorce, how do we create a strong marriage? Because here's, here's the last thing I'll share with you and then we'll do a couple Q&A. As a father of three girls and as a husband for almost 19 years, the most important thing I have to pastor is my family. Because the world sees that. And if I'm not pastoring here, like I'm shepherding, loving, like, oh, loving, if it's not, if it can't be done at home and modeled at home, then what am I giving to them from the platform? Why am, I, why am I giving this? 
And so it has to be something that's done in the home. It has to be something that's modeled. You know, when people say that, when she says flirting, listen, I, my, my kids know. Mommy, daddy holding hands. Our little one, she's, she's 10, but she looks like she's about four because she's like three foot tall. I mean, she's four foot, but I just joke with her because she's vertically challenged. But we'll be hugging, and that, that little weasel tries to take her little cranium and jam it in between our legs because she's like, nah, this is my mommy. You know what I mean? And in a playful kind of way, why? I want my girls to know, man, this is, I model for them. This is the way you're going to be treated. And this is what I'm expecting a husband to treat you like. And if you settle for anything different, you're a princess. And I'm not telling, and not, not to be the diva princess, no, but to be, a, to be a princess. So the joke is, oh, Dad, you're never going to let us date. No, I, I will let you date. He just needs to treat you the way that I would want to treat you with love and respect. That's all I'm going to ask for. That's it. I want it to be modeled. Well, how do they know? Because they're looking at me. And so that's important. You know, how you're loving your spouse even trickles down to what your kids are able to see. um, Because our relationships will speak volumes to the world. You know, when you're walking through the mall and holding hands and they're like, people are like, ew, ew. (laughs) That's gross. No, it's not. That's my wife and I'm proud of it. Alright, so very important. Those are five simple keys. Let's get to some questions before we get out of here. Alright, so husband's a pastor, works full-time job, I'm just going to start with that and go up. Um, being supportive is an amazing question. And while I obviously we can't give like the full dissertation of that, I think that it's important to set healthy boundaries. Um, and again, just this is this is when we talk work and this is when we this is what's expected of you. And, you know, I would say from a church perspective, making sure that you are both on the same page and that he is verbally communicating in healthy ways um, what reasonable expectations of you are in the church world. Because having a full-time job is going to limit the amount that you might be able to be there with a pastor's wife who is not bivocational. And that being said, then... Um, I guess I'm going to use this, and it's not a husband and wife, but... We have staff that is part-time that is bivocational. And so one of our staff members works a full-time job. And this is our youth pastor. And he is not at every youth service. We know that once a month he works on a Wednesday night. And he is our youth, like our credentialed youth pastor. Um, And there is one, sometimes two Sundays a month that he is not there. That's weird and not normal. And we get that and we know that. But from day one... As his leaders, as people who bring him in and who are shepherding him, much like a husband should be with a wife, this is, this is what you can expect from Pastor Steve. And this is okay with us. And this is what works because Angel is his backup. And that, that youth ministry has two pastors. And when Steve can't be there, Angel is there. And they preach and they tag team and they go at it together. And the same way that we would do that in honoring our, our youth pastor your husband could set those boundaries. This is what is expected of my wife. And not that it, I guess I should say it's better to be proactive when I say healthy than reactive. You know, don't wait until it blows up and where people are frustrated and why isn't she here? Communicate that. Hey, Pastor Steve's working tonight and so we've got this going on and how awesome is that? You know, why don't we send him a card? Everybody got your phones right now. We're going we're gonna to blow up his Facebook page. Simple things that communicates it in a healthy way and, and the same could be said of you. You know, hey, she's been working all day today. She's so tired. She wishes she could be here. Why don't you send her a note? Um, just that would be easy as far as from the church realm. And then just 
respecting that in each other, you know, in the home, it's, it's, it's communication and, and working on that. Does that at all cover the direction you were thinking? Yeah. Okay. Anything else on that one? That's good. Um, two different ministries and how you make that work. Um, gosh, that's the good question for us. I'm going to let you answer most of that, but I want to start with saying um, never compete. Both of your ministries have equal value. Um, nobody's ministry is more important. It doesn't matter if that one reaches 200 and that one reaches two. Ministry is ministry is ministry, and it holds value. So I would just keep that as the underlying. There's no there's no competition, but go ahead and take that. To well, I think it's communication, too. Um, because there are things that we do, whether it's, well, I serve in children, I'm children's pastor, children's director, you know, I'm the youth, youth director. So what are the things that then we could do together? So, hey, I need to get to the store. Do you have an event in three weeks? Okay, great. So let's plan now that we'll take this afternoon to get to the store to buy all that together. We do a lot of things like that where it's like, I'm going to go to the store. Okay, let's go to the store together. So, hey, you're going to get some things that we need personally from the house rarely, it's a rare thing that we go to the grocery store part. And I know that's, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It makes sense because I'm in proximity. It's time. Instead of, well, you go do your thing, I'm doing my thing, we'll connect later. And so you can, if you're communicating and then planning weeks ahead of time, you can kind of do that together. Like, oh, we need supplies, let's go get this stuff together. Okay, great. Now that's planned for, this is planned for. You've then helped each other. Like, hey, did you forget? Hey, don't forget. Oh, what about this craft that you're going to need? Oh, we, I'm glad you said that. We've got to go get the glue. Church ran out of glue. Whatever that is, you're, you're trying to complement each other and assist each other. Because it's hard. Because there's events. I mean, we just talked about, she mentioned it. So you had Teen Girl Conference in one week, and then you turn around, and then you had Winter Blast which is for 5th and 6th graders. Team Girl was for 6th graders through 12th graders. So that means 6th grade girls had back-to-back events if they chose to go to them. Same leaders, typically in a church. You know? And so what do you do? You've got to compliment. You've got to add to. Maybe resource some other leaders and then maybe even take time off. You know, hey, this is... Man, I need to make sure that at least X amount of time a month or X amount of time a week, I'm available because I need to support my husband in this. If you're both doing that together, you're eliminating stress, you're eliminating days in which you are gone, but you're adding to the amount of time you're spending together. And that's okay. And I know for congregations, I say this, um, but I was in a little different position because I came into an older church, only had about 60 people, and the average age at the church was probably 70-ish years old. The first Sunday we were there, the children's ministry doubled because I brought three kids that belonged to me. Now, my girls hated it because they came, they're like, Daddy, this stinks. <laughs> and I was like, hang on, kids. Um, so from, from that aspect of it, we were in a position where we just came in with being authentic from the beginning. This is who we are. This is what we have to offer. Kind of take it or leave it in a nice Christian kind of way. Um, but these are the boundaries that we're setting from the get-go. Um, if you're expecting women's ministry director, she's going to plan 15 events a year and do all these things and decorate tables and have foo-foo tea time. And I'm saying that genuine. If, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. That's not, not what you're girl. getting. You're not getting that. If you're, I'm a burger and Coke kind of girl. Right. I, I do not want to have tea. So the women's ministry, we took the men laser tagging. And the ladies got all mad, so now the next women's ministry event is laser tag. 
we're going to have higher scores. I'm just saying. Right, but that's okay. But that's okay. But if you ex- so, what we clearly communicated from the onset was, if you're expecting that, that's not who we are. Yeah. If you're expecting me to do a men's breakfast every Saturday morning, Saturday morning for me is it's the only morning that I actually will ever sleep in. And then I work in the afternoon on sermon, final prep, and all that stuff. But I can't get up at 8 o'clock and be prepared to do this breakfast. But we'll do four events a year. Are you okay with that? Good. Then we're on the same page. So as early on you can communicate to congregation, people involved, even to lead pastor, staff, this is how much I can do. It sets that tone from the, you know, early on. Like, that's too much. I've crossed that threshold. I need to dial it back a bit because it is man it's time consuming it is I think just in the home too and we'll wrap this question up with that unless you have anything more um, is communicating you know I've got this coming up this week and I know what you're working on is super important and I'm not taking away from that but can you give me two hours so I can get this done and then I can help you with you know and just actually helping each other in those ministries it it bonds you together anyway but it communicates this is the pressing deadline and i promise you if you can help me get through this i will help you get through and then again it's just that teamwork and collaboration that is always great for a marriage how can i make her listen oh let's talk about that question for a moment i know (laughs) you know i know you were totally kidding um and Sorry, I just need to make sure that's not a doctor. Um, um, while that's totally a joke, I think that it could be said that I could make him listen and he could make me listen by listening. Um, it just goes back to that conversation. And I know, like, I totally know that you were joking. However, we probably all feel that way sometimes in real life when we're not joking. Why won't they just listen? Why can't they hear what I'm trying to say? Why are you not listening to me? Um, it's like Dory talking with Nemo sometimes. Right. Yes. Like whale. Like I don't speak whale. I don't. It's so true, and I get so frustrated watching that because I, my personality is like, come on, Dory, pull it together. Um, but honestly, just that genuine kind word, that reminder, that serving, 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 serving. As I serve him, he will serve me. As I listen to him, he will listen to me. As I honor him, he is going to honor me. It's just how it works. And grace, grace, and more grace, because I know that there are times when I'm frustrated because he is not hearing what I have to say, but I also have to know that there are times when I haven't heard a word he's saying. You know, yeah, when, when are those moments? Can you tell them all those moments? <laughs> They're so rare. It's hard to remember the last time. <laughs> no, but I mean, in all reality, we kind of have made this a part of just the motto of our church world, of, of relationships that we have. Be willing to give the same grace that you need. Just remember, people are going to fail you. Your spouse is going to disappoint you. They're going to let you down. They're going to snap at you. They're going to be crabby. They're going to forget something really important. Fill in the blank. But how many times do we forget? How many times do we fail? How many times do we crab? Do we snap at something? And and without thinking, just always remember, offer the same level of grace that we ourselves need. 
And if we carry that in our relationship, in our marriage, with our kids, with our church, ah, oh, what a difference this world could be, you know, instead of everybody just being frustrated because somebody failed. Well, thank God Jesus does us better than that. You know what I'm saying? And so just having that, that heart, that mindset. Any other questions? Well, I hope this was kind of beneficial for you guys. And, you know, we're certainly not experts and don't have all the answers. But we, um, we love Jesus and we love each other. And, you know, at the end of the day, just can't give up, right? Never give up. Amen. That's it. Well, I always, I always like to do a challenge. So first session I taught today, I was like, here's the challenge when you leave. Because you've got you to be challenged. You've got to do something. And so I would say use the post-it notes, but even this. Even today, before you go to sleep. It, you know, the scripture said to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are we thinking? What are we, you know, if our first thought is, I can't wait to say this. Because I got, she's telling me I'm wrong. Oh, I got you. Because I'm thinking, I'm going to attack and reply. What if our transformation of our thinking was, how am I going to build her up right now? How am I going to build my spouse up right now? So today, before you lay your, your, your head on your pillow and you, 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 you fall asleep, three, do three. Three is a great number, right? Three. I'm going to build my spouse up these three ways before I, I'm going to say this kind. I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to show it this way. Three. How am I going to build them up? Because when we start thinking and looking at it through the filter of how am I going to invest in them, how am I going to build them up, how am I going to make over, over, an overachiever when it comes to this thing called kindness, how can I do this? Just start with three. Before you go to sleep tonight, three things, how you're going to build them up. You can start doing that on a consistent manner and you're going to see some, some great things happening. Because then next thing you know, it's coming back and forth and you're just like, man, I want to build you up. You're going to build me up. And man, stop building me up. No, you stop. You know what I mean? Stop. You know, and it's just, it's awesome. So God bless you. Thanks for coming. Uh, Enjoy the final session. Get something out of it. And if you have any other questions, ask my wife.